You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight, we're talking about 1977 sci-fi classic Star Wars. But to clarify, it is Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yeah, it is. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No great depression. Coming to get you, Barbara. We're on a mission for God. All right, sweethearts, you heard the man. Pull him out. Come on, let's have him. I will show you where I have made my home while preparing to bring justice. Then I will break you. How great was the spiritual war? How great depression is our lives. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. With me tonight, Trevor Benson. Hello. Did you know there's this movie coming out called Star Wars The Force Awakens? I've heard something about this. December 18th, man. Is it official? Is it, like, really going to come out? Dude, I swear to gosh. Going to the grocery store, I have seen Star Wars merchandise. Like, (laughs) in the grocery store. Like, I'm just trying to get food. Isn't it hilarious, like, that... Every time there's a Star Wars movie come out, you get a bunch of, like, Darth Vader stuff. And he's like, dude, he's not even in the movie. Get your R2 cookies. Your R2 cookies, your your Yoda. I saw the Yoda cereal. I'm like, come on, guys. The fruit snacks. I swear, everything that is packaged now has a Star Wars, like, logo. or Like, the new characters going, we're in the movie, too, guys. Well, I see a lot of that little, the little soccer ball droid running around. I've been seeing him pop up. Was it B8? B88 or B88? Something, Something like that. Yeah, I don't know which. No, it's B and an 8. That we, well, but, we'll have that information when we, we get to. Yeah, I'm actually trying to stay a little spoiler free on this. I've I mean, I mean we're, I'm sure we'll see it. Don't uh, you think we'll see it? Yeah, dude, we already got our tickets to it. Yeah, we're going to go see it. That's a stupid question. What? Those early shows. I mean, if you don't have your tickets now, like. Seven o'clock shows are sold out. I, I think they're pretty much sold out everywhere for the early shows. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Because usually Memphis, you can wait like the night of and get your ticket. Now, I do remember when uh, the early screenings for The Dark Knight Rises, and they had to keep adding theaters, and eventually it was like every theater is playing The Dark Knight Rises because so many people showed up for early screenings. Well, I liked it too because it turned the whole theater into like... Cause I was a little upset that I couldn't go to the IMAX to see it on opening night, but it was kind of a cool experience to go to a theater that's all playing. Where were you? We saw I saw that opening night in IMAX. Where were you? Yeah, you were in Nashville. Yeah, where were you? What were you I doing? I was in Memphis. Why? I know. Why were you in Standing Memphis? Standing next to a dude dressed like Batman. Why did Why did you not come to Nashville and see see it on the IMAX, man? I remember there was something going on and I couldn't go with you. Oh, damn it! That was good. Anyway, okay, Star Wars. 1977, I guess, for the, clarification. The world changed. Yeah. For the better. And it is episode four, A New Hope. 
which that was not actually on the original print of the film when people saw it no. in 1977. That was not there. That would have just really confused people. I've seen the scroll. You can see it's on it's on YouTube. You can see the scroll where it does not say. It just says Star Wars. And I do I I remember talking to some friends that are a little older and you know, they'd gone to see the movie in 77 and then that they re-released Star Wars not long before Empire came out and that's when they saw episode 4. And they were like, episode four? Well, what happened to episode one, two, and three? They had a really hard time meeting demand when this came out because movies didn't show in 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 theaters like they do today. Right. Uh, 2,000 theater count today, that's kind of small. You know, usually bigger films open 3,000 plus screens. Uh, if you're a huge franchise, 4,000. Nobody knew what to, to make of it. Nobody thought this movie was going to do shit. Let's be no. honest. Like... Some of the actors were, you know, Alec Guinness was maybe a little ashamed of this movie a little bit. Oh, really? He did not have, like, the best the best things to say. I don't think he understood all the love that the film got when it came out. There's a cool making of one of the, one of the interviews is Carrie Fisher talking about, like, they, they couldn't imagine what the movie was going to be. She got to go in and see John Williams laying down some of the score. George Lucas was there, and she said, you know, while they were shooting the movie, Lucas didn't talk much, he just looked stressed, he looked quiet, but while he was in the scoring room with John Williams, he was like a little kid, just, yes, just really excited, and she said that she saw the scene where, you know, the ship comes over and the music hits, and she was like, holy crap, this, this, it can't be, it solidified to her that they had just done something really special. I don't know what Star Wars would be without John Williams' music, man. Like, his music is so instrumental to the success of this film. When you watch this one of these movies for the first time, you get the, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. You're just like, well, what, the, what does that mean? This is, we're going to watch some old crap, and then all of a sudden, boom, and you're just like, oh my god, what is this? This is so exciting! It speaks to the inner kid in me, I will say that. Most definitely. You know, these films are extremely, you know, they're extremely important to me. I think they, like, they are to a lot of people, obviously. A lot of people got the Star Wars love as a child. I can't think of anyone from that I know that's below the age of 60 that does not plan on going to see The Force Awakens just because of their love of this original trilogy. And the question I've heard people ask more than anything... And it's the question that J.J. Abrams admitted got him to sign on to do the movie is, what happened to Luke Skywalker? Well, I like his answer of, you know, he turned the movie down. He said he didn't want to do it. He, that's a movie he wants to see. He doesn't want to do. And then Kathleen Kennedy had asked him, uh, but haven't you ever wondered what happened to Luke Skywalker? And then he said, you know, as soon as she said that, I, I thought, you know, I would rather do... What I think happened to Luke Skywalker, so nobody else messes that up for me. <laughs> I can understand that greed. I, personally, I would never want to work on a Star Wars film. Uh, the Star Wars fans are uh, they're pretty b- brutal. Look what happened to George Lucas with those prequels, make man just like on a dime. Well, look also look what he did with the prequels. Yeah, but and I will I will give Star Wars fans kudos for this because not only did they go see the movies. And then get split 70-30 of what the hell and no, they're great. Still to this day, the faction of people that just despise George Lucas for what he did to those movies 
will try their best. They will watch them, and they'll call you, and they'll say, you know, I was just watching episode one, and there's some really interesting stuff. If you if you start breaking it down... Like, why, why are you hating on George Lucas? Like, the guy, he made this universe. Like, he can yeah. destroy it if he wants to. Yeah, I mean, like, look, yeah, he didn't make the best couple movies, like... I think they forget that he made the thing that they love. Like, if he never made something great in the first place, you wouldn't give a shit about these prequels. Oh, you've got to give Lucas credit for this tri- the original trilogy. Yeah, and I, you know, and it's like... Lucas's strong point has always been the idea guy. Creatively and uh, business-wise. He is yeah, a... He's, he's, he's the idea guy, and... He's a business monster. Even with the original trilogy... You see how much it just takes off when he, he's able to give his ideas to a team and they run with it and be creative with it. Something I've always wondered. Uh, most people I know's favorite installment is Empire Strikes Back. I wonder for Lucas how much relief it was going into, you know, from going into Star Wars, fighting that battle of trying to, I mean, you know, he fired his editor. He's trying to get across this, this movie that nobody can comprehend. So now you're going into Empire, and people love what you did last time. So now they're they're 100% devoted to do whatever they can to make this vision come alive. Well, let, let's save that topic for Empire. But I, I I just wonder, like, how much of a different, like, feeling that was going into Empire as it was to how hard he had to work to get Star Wars where he wanted it. You know, Lucas took a back seat on Empire, whereas here he well, is... Well, if you watch the making of now, he, he's not... On their directing, but he's he's working in there with the special effects guys. He's cutting while the director's shooting. He's calling and suggesting changes. Yeah, but he's not there on set every day, and I think that's that. I think obviously that's a role that suits him best. Yes, I I agree. But he, I think he's a little a lot more involved than people give him credit for. Oh, I agree with that too. I no, think I, a I, lot of people believe like he went, oh okay, I did Star Wars, now I'm going to turn Empire over to you guys and. That's not what it, that's not the way it was. Like on Star Wars, he is the director. He's the idea guy, and he was doing a bunch of crazy shit that everyone was like, "Why are you Nobody doing this?" Nobody understood what he was doing and why he wanted certain things. I can't I can't remember if it was Carrie Fisher or Mark Hamill in those interviews we were watching. One of them was saying that they all had a hard time comprehending the vision that George Lucas had for this movie and that he's not one to explain things to to actors. Yeah, his actors have gone on record and said they were a little frustrated with his lack of direction on set and things. And I mean, I mean this is a famous story but it goes back to the the effects guys where they were they had been shooting models and Lucas saw what they were doing and they was like, "No, this it, it needs to look like a dog fight and they well that, that's what we're doing so he went and found this is before anima, animatics and so he went and found old black and white uh war footage and intercut movie footage with actual world war Two plane footage and said this is what the fight sequence should look like and you can totally tell in the film too and that gives you know that gave the you know the the defects department they're going oh okay now we have something visual to look at Storyboards are extremely important, especially on a film like this many effect shots. And that's what they, they, one thing they were talking about is that it was one of the first films that you really just couldn't just storyboard. You needed actual video. So that's why they cut together that film footage so that you could see like the bankments and the movement of the cameras and 
get across this idea that other pe- that people just did not understand. And it goes back to the whole story of like his editor was cutting it apparently a traditional edit, and Lucas told him, "No, that's not what we're what we're going to do here." And the editor's like, "I'm not going to do this crap," and he's like fired him. Well, I mean, his his wife famously cut it. Anytime you see multiple characters doing things in different locations on screen, I mean, all the entire basis of how that is cut is from Star Wars. Star Wars perfected the multiple character and and juggling all these characters going back for and back and forth between scenes. Not only in this film, but in every installment since. It's a thing that runs throughout right. the entire series. We always have our, our wrap-up battles. Although this one's a little bit different, because in this battle, we're only really cutting into three different locations. And two of the locations, people are only watching monitors. You have Princess Leia watching that terrible... Uh, <laughs> it's like so 70s, the... the the Death Star going around uh, Yabin 4. Yeah. Uh, it's that little green wedge that's like constantly lighting up. I, I never understood the numbers, too. Like when Peter Cushing's character, General uh, General Tofkin, he's watching the monitor and it's counting Moth. down. What? Moth Tofkin, right? Moth Tofkin? They're moths. The head of the. Yeah, because in the Star Wars universe, the head of the Star Destroyers and the Death Star, your generals are called moths. I still call him General Toth, and that's the that's the toy. And it right? is weird watching, you know, watching Star Wars and and seeing Vader in that not main bad guy place. Well, he's kind of like made out to be some kind of like like a weird religious nut in this. Like Peter Cushing even has a line where he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, that's you, that you're the last of that, buddy." He is here, Obi Wan Kenobi. What makes you think so? A tremor in the force. The last time I felt it was in the presence of my old master. Surely he must be dead by now. Don't underestimate the force. The Jedi are extinct. Their fire has gone out of the universe. You, my friend, are all that's left of their religion. Yes. You know, we're not talking about the prequels. So I do want to bring up, I like how the politics in in this first Star Wars is handled. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's right where it should be. Like, it's not the set piece. It's not the center of the film. It's just, you it, go a couple mentioned. scenes with some lines. Yeah. It, it's, you know, basically you get everything you really needed in the prequels in that one scene where they're they're around that table and yeah. that dude's like, the old Republic is dead, Lord Vader. The rebellion will continue to gain a support in the Imperial Senate. The, the Imperial long- Senate will no longer be of any concern to us. I have just received word that the Emperor has dissolved the Council permanently. The last remnants of the Old Republic have been swept away. That's impossible. How will the Emperor maintain control without the bureaucracy? The regional governors now have direct control over their territories. Fear will keep the local systems in line. Fear of this battle station. It's just like Inspector, where they're, again, here we go, we got evil guys just right. gathering around tables, scheming plans. Well, that's what evil dudes do, is they sit around tables and they talk of their victories. What are you doing, uh, what are you doing tomorrow night? Oh, I can't do that, I'm, uh, slaughtering a bunch of Jawas, uh. <laughs> like, later in the trilogy, the Emperor becomes, like, much more of a threat. Like, when Vader's like, you can tell him in person, the Emperor's coming here? In Star Wars, they're not worried about it. And yeah, just, he's only got like one or two lines even mentioned about the Emperor. You know, that's that's what they did. They did a really good job introducing us in this world through Luke Skywalker and the droids. And, right. You know, it's it's nice, good storytelling. 
before you know before we go into the movie we need to bring up like some of the influences and then of course the, the cultural impact that this movie had i cannot think of any other movie or franchise that it had the cultural impact that star wars does yeah no i, I think you'd be really hard to find anything that would measure up i mean i've heard lord of the rings people try to say that lord of the rings no oh oh no no Oh, no. we got to put this in perspective. Star Wars came out in 1977. So that's, that's their ticket price. I don't know what their ticket price was there, but it couldn't have been much. It made $307 million over the course of years. Well, if you take that and adjust it for inflation, Star Wars is the number two film of all time, ticket sales-wise. And in 2013 dollars, it would have made $1.4 billion dollars. In the United States alone. That is a crap ton of money. Avatar, the number one film currently released right now, 760 is what it made in 2009. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, this was a, this was a huge box office sensation. We're talking like, I mean, really outside of Jaws, like there was no other film that could really compete. Like the lines out the door. I mean, Jaws had that too. Jaws was a huge hit. But this was the next big thing, and it solidified... What we have come to know is blockbusters. If you don't like blockbusters, you don't like Michael Bay movies, you're going to have to kind of blame Star Wars for that one because <laughs> if Star Wars didn't come out, you know, Michael Bay probably wouldn't be blowing shit up on screen anymore. Who knows how movies would have gone? Like, uh, Hell, even uh, James Cameron, who what his box office success has been. Hey, buddy, he worked on the Star Wars movies. Well, when somebody asked him one time, one time like, what is your formula to to making these these he he basically he straight up said, I watch Star Wars, and I rewrite it. Now, bringing up James Cameron, James Cameron got a lot of crap for Avatar, for it being like Dances with Wolves. I have a real problem with that, because fanboys do not attack Star Wars for being like the Hidden Fortress. You think that maybe because it's two popular American movies instead of... Yeah, I think that may probably have a little bit to do with it. But it seems unfair. Now, the Star Wars Hidden Fortress. Hidden Fortress was a film directed by Akira Kurosawa. This is Japanese. I don't think it shares like a whole lot of similarities with Star Wars. It definitely has got some moments that are lifted. Um, there's, some, there's some pretty good videos on YouTube where like, they, they'll show scenes side by side and you can watch them. Uh, we'll see if we can find something like that and put them in the show notes for you guys. But it does share similarities. I mean, I think that's okay. Like I'm not in the uh, I'm not in the Brian De Palma school of hate. Like, you know, like people always criticize Brian De Palma because he just oh you're just ripping off Hitchcock and all these other filmmakers. But that's a little different because it's more in filmmaking style. But you know I just I don't have a problem with that. I do think uh, Lucas got a lot of inspiration he from admits, a lot of things. He admits where he got his inspiration from. Yeah, I mean he's open about it and he talks about it. It's not like a hidden secret or anything. I do think it's maybe a little overblown. Kurosawa sued the guys that made The Magnificent Seven, which is a clear ripoff of Seven Samurai. You didn't see Kurosawa coming after Lucas. I mean, The Hidden Fortress has different themes in it. It's got a different story. Kurosawa and uh, Lucas got, got along pretty well at the, at the end of his, his life. At the end of Kurosawa's life, not George Lucas is still with us. Well, I mean, the thing about Star Wars as compared to like just any other movie... And I'm trying to think, you know, pre-Star Wars, was there any universe where, you know, there's multiple movies that... Well, I think he got his inspiration, you know, 
mainly from Flash Gordon, I think is what he's always cited. Right. I think that would probably be the closest. But spiritually, anyway. You know, he introduced this. Not only did he introduce like a, oh, there's this war and there's these characters, but he introduced these this religion of these characters and this. There was myth to the whole, you know, backstory of what happened before the movie. Uh, you're curious what's going to happen after the movie, and it created like this thing that just it just kept growing in everyone's imaginations. It added those fantasy elements in there yeah, that I mean. that just fed the imagination of two generations of people. That you you don't you don't watch Star Wars and just go, oh, that's cool. You watch Star Wars for the first time, and you think about, oh, well, what were the Jedi Knights, and why? Well, I wonder how the Empire took over, and wonder what Luke's gonna do now, and how did the Millennium Falcon even fly in the first place? How is the Falcon flying? It has no wings. It doesn't need wings. It's got Han Solo. It's just one of those timeless movies that it introduces your imagination to so much. And then with the sequels, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, both just, they expand that imagination so much that it almost becomes like its own like living thing in everybody's mind. I, I can remember as a kid, you know, you Star Wars would come on the afternoon movie and everybody would watch it. And then afterwards, we would all be sitting outside and we'd be talking about like what's going to happen to Luke after Return of the Jedi and... Yeah, you know, this is the one I, I watched le- at least as a kid. I always watched the sequels more growing up. Star Wars. Yeah, like the original Star Wars is the yeah, one. I mean, that's the one I refer to as Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we say Star Wars, that's that's what we mean. The- I mean, that was its title. <laughs> yeah, when it came out, yeah, it yeah. was. It was Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back, Return, Return of, the of the Jedi. Jedi. Those are your. That's it. And and to give you know the new the new movie credit, oh. they are trying to not refer to it as Episode Seven. They want it to be called The Force Awakens. I think that's good. They want to go with that trend of. I mean, I've heard, I heard JJ talking about it. He said that you know when I grew up, I, I didn't call Empire Strikes Back Episode Five. The Empire Strikes Back. I called it Empire Strikes Back. All the other sequels had the titles really big on the posters. Like yeah. it was the Empire Strikes Back, and then I sat it. They had that cool like little border that would say Star on the top, and then at the bottom of the title it would say Wars. Yeah, and that was kind of like the border around it. Bring that back, motherfuckers. That was amazing. Like, well, I mean, I'm sure Disney's going, yeah, that's all cool and everything, but put the Star Wars real big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the only thing I don't like about it is it reminds me it reminds me more of, like, the, the artwork prequels. from the prequels. Yeah. yeah, well, the poster has much more prequel artwork, I think, than, oh, my God. we How have we gone this long with not talking about how this isn't, god damn, got so many great posters. Like, there's not just one great Star Wars posters. You talking about for the original? Yeah. I think I like every single one of these. All of them from 77. I like the Japanese one. I like the American one where like Han Solo, uh, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker's all buffed and he's holding the lightsaber above yeah. his head. And you're like, man, dude, you work out. Like, and you go see the movie and you're like. feel to it. Yeah. <laughs> you go see the movie and you're like, you're some scrawny little farm boy. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm going to go to the power converters. Princess Leia's like all like she's all got like her leg out and it's just like you didn't see no Carrie Fisher leg no. in that movie. You know, I, I always thought of that as like I don't know why I dubbed it the uh, book cover poster because it looks like a romance novel oh, book yeah. cover. 
It's like they hired some guy that drew romance novels covers, and he's like, okay, sure, Star Wars, here's a helmet, and here's a dude. <laughs> That's the, oh, man, I love that. It's one of my favorites. Can you remember the, the first time you ever saw Star Wars? Uh, no. I cannot remember the first time I ever saw it. No way. So it has been a part of your life from no, birth. No, yeah. I can honestly tell you I cannot remember the first time I saw any of the Star Wars films. I can't either. It's It's not a... It just seems like memory. Like I've seen them, and they they have just lived with me. Yeah, they just they just they're, they're always there. No, I, no, I take that back. I do remember the first time I saw Return of the Jedi. I'm old enough to remember the first time I saw Return of the Jedi. Yeah, no, I'm too young. I was born the year before that film came out. I mean, it was still playing, you know, when I was two or three. Because I probably saw it on, played on TV. Well, you know, the first time I actually remember seeing these is when. Um, uh, when HBO started re-showing the Star Wars trilogy. That's kind of when I got really re-obsessed with Star Wars. It was that the uh, late 80s, early 90s. I got really obsessed with Star Wars again. I can remember, I don't remember what channel it was, but it would be like they would do the Star Wars trilogy, and it would be like Monday night, Star Wars. Tuesday night, Empire Strikes Back. And the saga comes to a conclusion Wednesday night with Return of the Jedi. Or sometimes it would be a weird, like, Monday, Tuesday, then Thursday. And like, why do I gotta wait till Thursday? Do you remember uh, the Muppet Babies? Yeah, how they had the uh, the Star Wars footage integrated into the animated show yeah. open? Dude, that blew Did my mind. Did you ever see the, the episode of the Muppet Babies where they reenact Star Wars? Yes, yes. It's my favorite episode. Yeah, it's probably the only one I think I've rewatched as an adult. Just because I was like, oh man, was that any good? I gotta, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome, guys. I'm here to tell you. Muppet Babies, Star Wars. I can remember right. being excited about the Ewok movie being on VHS. Yeah, and then you saw it and you wanted to like, wow, that was really boring. And then I remember there was like a cartoon. Was it boring? Yeah, yeah. And I was always disappointed that there wasn't any like lightsaber battles in the cartoon. There was a droid cartoon as well. And then, of course, there's the always great Star Wars holiday special. Which I have seen. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's on the internet now. George Lucas like tried to destroy every copy of that that ever existed. But and I internet highly won. suggest anybody that is a Star Wars fan to please watch... The holiday special. It, it's a tender story. If you want to laugh. Chewbacca's wife and child. And Han Solo has kept Chewbacca away for too long. The Empire might have killed them. We don't know. And you get, you get cameos from Luke Skywalker as he's working on something. Oh, dude. Yeah, I don't, even, I don't even remember. Well, you know what? A lot of the side material in this was really bad. Like the trailer. The trailer for this is pretty terrible. I just assume it's a time, it's just, you know, it's, that's how trailers were back then. It must have no. been great at the time because people went to see it. No, 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 man. I mean, come on, look, this is, this is, se- this is 77 here. No, we've had some good I mean, trailers. Was, this, was the Jaws trailer, it's about a shark, and it's eating people. No, I mean, yeah, it's kind of the, if the Jaws trailer was like that, there's a shark, and people that swim, the trailer is pretty atrociously awful. You know what? We always do it. Let's play the trailer. 20th Century Fox and George Lucas bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. Stop that ship! Master! 
forgotten how much I hate space travel. Here they come. The story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. It's a big, sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Come with you to Alderaan. There's nothing for me here now. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. It's a spectacle, light years ahead of its time. <laughs> it's an epic of heroes. worlds. Go that way. You'll be malfunctioning within a day, you near-sighted scrap pile. Star Wars. A billion years in the making. The Force will be with you. Always. Alright, so we're back. We actually took a break on our break. Look at that. That's like the first time ever. You know, they would have never known that if you, you hadn't just done that. Well, usually when we say we take a break, we literally just like, okay, we take a break, and then we just keep talking again so we could play the trailer, you know? But we're back, and we're gonna, now we're going to focus on the first movie, the movie that introduces us to Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Han Solo. And the two greatest droids ever. C-3PO, R2-D2. And wait, we can't forget about, like, the hairiest and greatest co-pilot in the world. Chewbacca. (laughs) The Jawas. Oh my gosh, dude. I love Jawas. The Sand People, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, did the Sand People terrify you as a kid? No. Oh, really, man? Fucking Tusken Raiders freaked me out, dude. They're all weird. They got. Th- they did give me like a weird feeling, but they didn't scare me. Oh, really? Their faces were all in bandages. Like that's What's the that only sound thing. they made. Sound, man, is so important. Uh, okay, wait. Let's just talk about probably the most famous shot in the entire film. How this opens up. We get the scroll. The scroll. We get the famous Star Wars scroll with the words going off into infinity, and then this little spaceship flies into screen. The rebel. Blockade Runner. And then the Star Destroyer comes on. In that one visual, you get everything you need to know about this movie. Amazing. And it also led to an amazing parody in Spaceballs yes, as it well. Did. <laughs> <laughs> Where the ship just keeps going. But you know what? It's it's great because like that's kinda how you feel when you watch this movie. Like I remember seeing this as a little kid and just like that ship and you just man, you get the scale in that shot. Right. It just keeps going, and it's just like, dear God. And then when you get those engines, I love how the engines are designed, where it's got, like, the little diamond triangle, and it's got the one huge engine in the middle, and it's got the two, like, you know, they're still gigantic. They're still bigger than the ship Princess Leia is on, but they're smaller little side engines. It's just going along in space. I mean, it's just a perfect visual of little rebel, huge empire. 
like all the all the starships or the spaceships in the film, they all kind of have like a nice callback. The military to Air Force to the Navy, they all have like their own little yeah. like their place. I always feel like this scene's kind of like a this is a naval battle that's occurring. And it's in it's, it's just a, in outer space. It's, it's a yeah, it's it's a aircraft carrier chasing down a like a little naval ship. I don't want to bring up Star Trek, but the Star Trek more had a submarine battle mentality. Like they were on the they're on the viewer screen and here it is. We're dueling this way and we're firing our torpedoes. And it's very strategic like a submarine battle. Slow movements in the ships and Yeah, whereas Star Wars Man, they just—they're all over it's the Air place. It's Air Force, baby. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Air Force. You got you got some of this Navy stuff going on. It's just—it's taking elements from all over the map. I really, oh man, especially at the end. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Princess Leia, she stole Death Star plans. Yeah, okay. Look, you got you guys know the story, all right? So we're not going to go through it scene by scene here. But she's stealing Death Star plans. Darth Vader comes on board, and dude, he wants those plans. Did he not wax his helmet in this movie? I know we're not talking about the sequels, but his helmet does get shinier. Have you noticed that? Well, the opening of this movie, he's walking through that explosion. There's dust everywhere. And he just never cleaned it after that? And he's screaming, would somebody find those plans? (laughs) He's just like, oh, you know, look, I walked through the door. I got soot all over it. I got to do my evil shit. I don't have time to clean my helmet. Well, what's cool about it, though, is that you're thrown right into the middle of a story. It's not like a traditional movie where you're you see this story starting to happen. In Star Wars, you are thrown into the middle of some stuff happening. Yeah. there, There's already a rebellion. It's already happening. They've already stolen plans to what's called a Death Star. You don't even know what it is. And then there's these robots that have these plans that are ejected onto this planet to take it to some person called Ben Kenobi. Yeah, and before you find any of that out, the way that they set up their costume and just all the sets, it, it you visually know who's good and bad. Yeah. The minute those stormtroopers come through the scene, you're just like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, as soon as you see Darth Vader, you know this is the baddie. It's just, it's well done. I do like, too, that I'm glad that the stormtroopers weren't all dressed in black and they didn't go like no, me a, too. a white-black kind of thing. I mean, they, they did a little bit with the lightsabers, with the red and green, but, you know. That was later on. Yeah. The stormtroopers, when they walk in, you're just like, how can you think anything else other than, oh, you're a bad guy? Well, it's that uniformity. Um, Menacing helmet? Yeah. Okay, this Rebel Blockade Runner, this is the entire opening scene of, of the film. They built two sets for everything that was shot in here. They built a set for the hallway, and they just reused it with different ends. The, the escape pod is the same. That's where the droids get into the escape pod. Princess Leia gives them the plans. She gets shot. And then Darth Vader's also choking a guy. That's in the same set on the other side. <laughs> you know, it's just, man, they were really smart. They didn't have a lot of money. Amazing, amazing work. And the budget on this was like, it's, it depends right. on who. million dollars. Yeah, eight to ten million. Is, it's hard to pinpoint it exact. It's, you know, it's older. They didn't keep, they fudged numbers better then. <laughs> somebody knows how much it costs. <laughs> yeah, no, somebody does. So yeah, then, we've, uh, then we go to Tatooine. And then you've got that kind of weird moment where you're just following the droids for a few minutes in this desert. And they get picked up by the Jawas. Now, I remember as a kid, this was the moment that I was always like, what is going on? (laughs) 
my soul. Utini! Utini! Or whatever they said when they pop out. 20 minutes into the movie, you meet Luke Skywalker. Him and Uncle Ben, they're picking up some some droid. Okay, so I take it what the the Jawas are doing here is a little on the DL. Yes. It, it's a, this is a little shady here. This is kind of a shady operation. Yeah, they, they steal shit and then <laughs> sell it to the farmers, yeah. We're not going to say where we got these droids. It is kind of a it's kind of a shady and and luckily they shady operation because at first they did not buy R two D two. That's right. They bought red. They bought the red one. Yeah. And what happened to it? It's got a bad power converter. Or something got a bad like. uh bad bad motivator. Bad motivator. That's <laughs> yeah. it. The motivator's bad. Uncle Owen. Yeah. It's R two unit. Another bad motivator. Look. Hey, what are you trying to push on us? <laughs> Uncle Uncle Ben over there's got to raggle and haggle with some Jawas. Like, hey, wait, wait, what's going on? C three PO's like, I can vouch for the blue one. <laughs> that R two unit over there is very fine. I don't know. Jawas did freak me out. Just because you can't ever see their face, all you and can see. Little eyes. did Luke know, Oof. he would be cleaning the R two unit later, and there would be the hologram that would change his life. The only problem I have, and this is like a retro thing with Star Wars. Luke and Leia are brother and sister. We find that right. out later. Like, what are the chances that this guy's sister just happens to be going by the planet, her brother's on, you know? It's the Force, Brian. You know, and it just happens. That, like, I understand how she gets to that planet. Cause she's, you know, it's, it's implied that she's kind of, like, going to Obi-Wan. Yeah. That's, that's how I always kind of took it. She was going to run to Obi-Wan to get help anyway. And she just got stopped she's, along the she's way. She's been told that there's this guy like Obi-Wan Kenobi that can help you. Uh, yeah, I think it's very obvious because she, she leaves the message, help us, Obi-Wan. You're our last hope. Sometimes when I talk to people, they're like, oh, well, no, that's they, they just happened to be by that planet. And no, like, no. But they even, even what they named the movie. Think about it. What does she say Obi-Wan is? Help us, Obi-Wan. You're our only hope. Uh, but we're going to get a new hope. Who's the new hope? Oh, hmm. Luke. It's Han Solo. It's Han, It's Harrison Ford all the way. I'll accept no other answer. No, I, I, I totally, I, but I'm just saying, I totally, I totally think they were going to Tatooine so she can get a message. To I don't think she knew who he was. I just think that. Oh, no, she doesn't know who he was. Her father, her adopted father has told her, take this to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ben is on that planet. And, and she can't tell Darth Vader, I'm just flying by to meet this guy, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because then that you would remember just him? set off all kinds of... <laughs> he was a Jedi, and he fucked your face up. You remember that? That's why you're talking like that. Yeah, that's what he did. That's that's from Obi-Wan Kenobi whooping your ass, Darth she Vader. said that, like, Tatooine would have been gone at that moment. Obi-Wan Kenobi lives on this planet? Land now! He would have been calling Peter Cushing up on speed dial, like, hey, fuck Alderaan, dude, I got a better plan. If you say no, I'll choke, force you over, the, force choke you over the phone. Uh, no, yeah, I think, I think she was totally going to deliver the message to Obi-Wan. She was intercepted. Yeah. And then her brother, via destiny, ended up with the right droid. I love the scene where Luke is sitting with Uncle, Uncle Ben and Aunt... Aunt Beru. Beru. And... His father comes up. While they're having some blue milk. And it's that weird moment where 
like they they talk about he's a lot like his dad and then somebody that's what I'm worried about. Luke's just not a farmer, Owen. He has too much of his father in him. That's what I'm afraid of. And later you find out that holy shit, his dad is Darth Vader. Well, not in this movie. Uh, not in this movie, but yeah. every, everybody knows. There's not anybody going to listen to this podcast that has not seen this movie. Well, yeah. Well, yeah but I'm in just, retrospect, yeah. when you go back and watch that scene, like in this movie, it's implied that he's a lot like his dad. He's going to run off. He's going to join this military, and he's going to be a pilot. And he's going to get killed doing but, it. But, no, you find out that, no, they're worried he's going to become like this dark lord of the Sith and take over the fucking galaxy. And destroy everything and when you rewatch it, now that you know the whole thing, it's like, ooh, wow, yeah. Now, That's I, a heavy I, secret these people are they're holding. Yeah, well. And, and then you find out, he finds old Ben Kenobi, who is now, who is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Apparently, Ben has been watching him for his entire life. He's been keeping an eye on Luke Skywalker. Well, you don't know that in this movie, though. He just lives on the planet. Doesn't he say, I've, I've been watching you, I've been keeping my eye on you? And does he tell him he's been keeping his eye on him? I think so. He may say he keeps. Uh, I never took it like he was actually watching. Yeah, I just always thought it. He just lived there, and when they're in Obi Wan's little hut, and Obi Wan says, "Here, I want to give you this," and it's Luke Skywalker's, it's Anakin's lightsaber. I told as a kid, totally was on board with Obi Wan is there watching Luke for some reason. Oh yeah, I just always kind of thought it was like a friend of the family kind of thing, you know. And he feels responsible. Because, you know, his his daddy kind of, the way he makes it sound is like his dad, like, saved his bacon a bunch. He kind of owes, he kind of owes Luke one because his dad was good. Well, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, you know, it's an old man sad scene where he's like, your father was a good friend. And then later, you know, you find out that, you know, it's all from a different point of view, man. It's all from a different point of view. It's the biggest bullshit answer ever. What a... Dick Obi-Wan turned out to be, man. Come on, dude. He kept so much shit from Luke. Oh, my God, he's a Well, can you imagine, like, you're sitting there talking to this guy, and... Yeah, I guess it is kind of hard. You know that his dad turned into this dark lord of the Sith and has killed millions of people. So you're like, here, take your father's lightsaber. He was a good guy, and then he died. You said my father died. Well, it's a point of view. Well, what did you want me to tell you, dude, all right? I don't I mean, think you were ready for the truth, son. Dude, I mean, look, do you see how pissed you got when you couldn't go to Tashi's to pick up some uh, power <laughs> converters, all right? Like, you got really mad about that. Take these two over to the garage, will you? I want them cleaned up for dinner. But I was going into Tashi's station to pick up some power converters. I just don't think you were ready to hear that your father is the emperor's right-hand jerk-off guy. Uh, you know, okay, hold up. Mark Hamill, I hear a lot... A lot of people like just dog cuss Mark Hamill's performance in the beginning what? of Star Wars. Yeah, I think it's like he's playing an annoying like teenage fucking punk. I I don't see. Well, I've never heard anyone complain about Mark Hamill's performance. Really? Never. Oh, I, I just hang around. I guess a bunch of really negative Nellies, man. Because that and uh, Princess Leia's accent. Like if she's what is she trying to do, British or American? You know, because you know she sounds she sounds different in this she film. She sounds royal, damn it. Because <laughs> she's like, yes, British people they just they sound better. She doesn't even keep it when she's like talking to Luke and them. It's only when she's talking to Vader and Moth Tarkin that yeah. she's. I am a senator. And you will listen to me. And then when she's in the trash dump with these guys, with these morons, she's like, "You guys are idiots." 
I've, I've just seen this film so many times. Like, I can't even be critical, really, of the performances. Because I've lived with them for so long. Luke is, he's the angsty teenager that he feels like he's got something greater. The Force is calling to him to do something greater. And his his uncle doesn't want him to leave. His uncle's trying to protect him from leaving. And that's one thing I like. So I he like. won't even let him go to Tashi's to get power converters. <laughs> I like I like that he's like a he's just a regular teenager like you know he's just a regular sheltered little well, farm the, kid you know, that wants the, more. Well, but. it's the hero story. He's, something is out there is calling to him. He knows he's got a bigger destiny to protect him. His uncle is keeping him, and then when he goes and finds Obi Wan, he comes back. You find out the stormtroopers have killed his uncle. Now he has a reason to join the rebellion. I just identified more with it as a kid because usually, like, when you see these films in the 80s and stuff, and the, and the character that you're supposed to identify with as a child is Luke. Well, well, yeah, in this movie, but, like, in I feel like in other films that have come after this in the 80s and stuff, it's usually, like, the kid's already pretty cool to begin with. They try to make him not cool, but you're like, dude, just because you messed up your hair doesn't mean you don't look like a million bucks. Go fuck yourself. Right. Like, wear your pimples and your zits and your high-pitched voice, all right? Get the fuck out of my face. But what he does is he comes across as And he's kind of unhappy. Yeah. You know? He's a he's whiny little teenager. He's not happy with the options in his life. Exactly. And what are you, you going to do when you're a teenager? You don't... You can't do anything. You All you bitch can do about is it. complain. Yeah, I love that. I was, I, I don't know. I identified with that as a kid, and then watching him, especially when they go to Mos Eisley, and and he is such out of his element. Yeah, I like. I, I don't know, man. I thought that all. I thought all of it worked great. We didn't even talk about. We, we brought up the lightsaber, but we didn't even talk. Dude, there's a lightsaber. When I was a kid, I bet I made probably a hundred lightsabers. I did not know they made them that you could buy. That made sounds and... No, we didn't have that shit. No, they didn't make sounds when we were growing up. They were just flashlights with those cones. So, I made some out of wood that was painted blue and green and red. There you go. I made some out of broomsticks and flashlights so you could get the light effect and still fight. Best one ever made on our neighborhood. Brian Moses made one out of... We couldn't use it because it would break. But it was a fluorescent tube that he somehow attached inside of a metal mag light. Okay, how how long did it take for that thing to break? Like five no, minutes? Like that day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, that's just you couldn't the you couldn't help but like hit the tree with it. Yeah, I know, right? Like here, here goes a thing that looks like a lightsaber. Now don't hit anything. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the lightsaber. From the moment Obi Wan goes, this is your father's lightsaber. Yeah, and you get that uh, you get that one little one little edit when he turns on the lightsaber, and it's just that oh man, it cut out just a couple of frames right there when it turns on. You can see him jump a little bit. Yeah, but man, I mean, uh, dude, can you imagine having to rotoscope that? Because you know the lightsaber was those are just like little teeny sticks. Yeah, but somebody's got to go in there and draw. Well, originally, they they had tried to film it with the uh, the material from like Superman that Jor-El wears that it's shiny. Yeah, but it just didn't look right. So they 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 eventually had to go in and rotoscope the actual saber. In. Oh man, I'm so glad they did. Oh yeah, I mean it's like that's it. Have you seen like most the, iconic the, thing the of test Star Wars. footage where they have like the real looking the swords with the like you know the handles and everything, and then the sword blade is wrapped in that shiny material and it looks real funky and they have to hold it at yes, a certain sir. angle to the light i just can't imagine going through that frame by frame 
24 frames per second drawing lightsabers meticulously. Because if you messed up any, oh my goodness. From a more civilized time. Yeah, I mean, somebody drew that on by hand. That was not done in a in a computer with points and motion tracking and... Man, could you, Crazy. Do, you th- do you think George Lucas had any idea when he typed the word laser sword in that first draft of the script, it would become the thing it became? When no, I, Luke Starkiller first pulled out his laser sword. I, dude, I don't, I don't think they thought any of this. I mean, because, you know, like, George Lucas famously, uh, I forget where it was. I'm going to say it was Hawaii. But, like, before Star Wars opened, him and Spielberg went down to the beach. Yeah, and hung out. That's where they got. Uh, that's where we Raiders got Indiana Lost, Jones. Raiders yeah. and Lost Ark. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So like, George Lucas is like, uh, you know what? I'm just gonna leave town for a little bit. Uh, have fun opening Star Wars. Because you know it was just this. Odd. I don't think he was set. He didn't set out to like make this impact. I mean, he set out to make a fun movie. Yeah. Um, one thing we were talking about earlier, and I asked you not to forget, and I'm going to go ahead and mention it now while I'm remembering it. I love it. Is one of the benefits to Star Wars is the way the story is told. I, I wish filmmakers now would, would remember this, because what created the myth around the story while you're watching it is information is dropped in conversation. It's dropped during plot points of the movie. I knew your father... We fought in the Clone Wars together. You fought in the Clone Wars? Or my father fought in the Clone Wars? We're not going to explain what this is. We're going to move on. This is a world where they understand it. We don't need to explain it as long as the characters understand it. But for us, the audience members that created this myth and this mythology that we were trying to figure out and that made the movie so, so much richer, it gave it much more of a story while you're telling the simple plot of the movie. Yeah, no, I give you something to latch onto and constantly like have those schoolyard arguments or those sandbox arguments where yeah. you're like, oh, hey, well, you know, uh, just because this guy said this, see, this this is all set up over here. And you're like, oh, no, that's not what that means. I took it like this. And that's where the story richness Man. comes from. Now, I mean, it seems like nowadays, you, anytime somebody drops a mysterious like, line of dialogue like that, at some point in the movie, we're going to have to have a 10-minute flashback scene to explain it. Or it's going to have to come up in a sequel. Yeah, just leave it. That's what that's what makes the story rich. We never see the Senate ever in any of these movies, ever. Don't, you know? We don't well, need it's to. It's disbanded in this one. Right. It's, it's gone. But, I mean, you know, it's like these, these are the Force. Yeah, we get the basis of what the Force is. It's an energy that surrounds everything. You can use it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, from the way Obi-Wan and, and Vader talk, you can use it to do anything yeah yeah i mean not being able to do anything i think some kind of maybe help these movies out because i don't know yeah i thought the jedis in the prequels they go they do go a little bit bigger and they they stretch the realm of believability just a little too much for me well the prequels just we're not going to talk about the prequels i know there's just so many right for me that you're based in a world that you can believe even though it's so unbelievable the characters aren't doing stuff that's just outrageous. Like, no one jumps 15 feet in the air, does a cartwheel, and then lands on their feet. You know, when Luke is running towards a ship, he's running towards a ship. It's a, it's a story that we all know, but it's a fresh take. We're seeing yeah. it in a new way, in a, in a new setting, is probably the most important thing. 
and and you know like even in empire when they start explaining stuff a little bit more they still don't explain it to a point that it kills it it just flourishes it even more um they didn't start killing the visuals until the prequels hey can you imagine like if Obi-Wan were in his hut, and he, we got a flashback right there of the Clone Wars. and It would have answered that question too soon. Yeah, well, it's not important either. And it's not, that's the point, it's not a question. It's not something that needs to be answered. Exactly. I love, there's some videos online called uh, Mr. Plinkett Reviews Star Wars Episodes 1, 2, and 3. And this guy is hilarious. I think they are the funniest videos on the internet. And... It's just basically this guy reviewing Star Wars episodes one, two, and three. And in one of the one of his reviews, he says the problem with these movies is they do not need to be made. A lot of people complain about the prequels, but I think Lucas was sort of in a position. Don't get me wrong, I I, I don't like the prequels, but I think whatever you did, you were going to have that problem of fighting years of people's own imaginations telling them what happened, how Darth Vader became Darth Vader, and what all the Clone Wars were. and So Lucas was automatically having to fight against what we have already imagined. Yeah, I mean, everything is new here. I mean, that, that does help. I mean, I don't, I don't hate the prequels. I'm not a, I'm not a prequel hater. I'm a, too much of a Star Wars uh, fanboy. Completely hate, hate them. I don't like them as much. That's the problem. It's not that they're terrible movies. It's that they're not as great as these three films, which I put on a really high pedestal. And I am not a fan of the prequels. I, there are parts of the prequels I like. They, they I got like. Their I love uh, Emperor Palpatine ninety percent of the time in the prequels. Until he pulled a lightsaber out, I thought he nailed what the Emperor taking power should be. Oh, the pod race is good. I mean, there's exciting moments in those films, and like people rip just, them apart. I, I just think Lucas went, he tried way too hard to do something different than what he thought people would expect. Oh, dude, there was a lot of pressure there. I think he would have been better off going with what people expected and then just making it as good as possible. Uh, I mean, even for episode one, the backlash didn't start right away. You know, it took a year, a couple years. By the time episode two was out, it was in full force, but <laughs> it was in full force, and I saw all of them opening night, midnight Well, shows. you know, like, I hear a lot of people say that, like, their favorite lightsaber battle in any of the Star Wars movies is in episode one. No, and nobody I says that, dude. cannot disagree more. Nobody says that. Everybody's um, favorite's Empire. Like, come on. Seriously. Well, my favorite is Empire. Your favorite is Empire. That's but most people's. I have heard people say that they think the lightsaber battle my producer is one mark williams will tell you his favorite lightsaber battle is in episode one well benson what i need to tell you right now is you need you need to hang around better people <laughs> but but at the same you're time, hanging like, around the wrong crowd buddy <laughs> when i watched the battle in episode one is what you were what you were saying earlier like it was good that they couldn't do anything it's almost too much flipping around and jumping long distances, and it gets away from that like mystique of what a Jedi was. It, the purpose of Yoda being this little bitty thing was to show that a Jedi Knight is not a physical specimen. It's somebody that became one with the Force, 
And well, it doesn't matter what your size is or what your right. color is or your race or any of that, you know. And when to me, like the fight in episode one goes completely against that. I mean, it's all about acrobatics and best lightsaber battle is Empire Strikes Back, where there's actually a story being told through the fight. Okay, let's just go jump to it. The cantina scene. That is an amazing scene where you see all these different races. All these just, I mean, like, some of them are really bizarre. The hairy guy with the little, yeah, the little, I don't know, the little fly snout thing that comes out of his mo- uh, mouth. And then those weird things, the whole face is shaped like an S. They look kind of weird snails, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just. And then you have like those two aliens that are in space suits that look stereotypical alien. And they're just like, oh, boop, 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 over in the corner. And you're just like, what the hell is going on? Because really, like, you get Jawas, you know? That's a little weird. Yeah, granted. Okay, we have some different droids. Okay, but I'll droids bet the have two, their purposes. I'll bet the two aliens in the, the traditional spacesuits still to this day drive George Lucas nuts. Really? I'll bet he wants to digitally remove them so bad. <laughs> uh, I don't know, dude. I think if he wanted to digitally remove them, they'd be, they'd be gone by now. This man, he's revised Star Wars quite a bit. And you know, not I, just the '77 special I, edition. I, yeah, a lot of people bitch about that, but I, I am not going to bitch about him changing this movie. That's his movie. If he wants to revise it, oh, well, see, okay, I have a problem with it, but not for any of the nerd reasons that people have problems with. My reason is we're losing the special effects work that was done in 1977. That was so ahead oh, of its time. But, but I, I, I want them to preserve that. I still think you should preserve the movie as it was released. Just because it is such an important movie. And, you know, conservation's sake, like, you should preserve that as the highest quality possible. But if Lucas yes. wants to, to digitally enhance the movie, well, by all means, that's his right. The well, only thing he's done so far that... If you give me two versions, like they did on E.T., I'm okay with that. I, that's what I'm film. saying. I yeah. 100% agree that the original should be saved. Yes. But I don't think you should, you know, limit George Lucas and say, no, you can't go in and make Cloud City look better. It's a slippery slope, too, because it's just so disrespectful to all the artists that worked so hard to make that shit look good in 77 with the technology of the time. And to go in and just erase all their work <laughs> because you have better technology is kind of a slap in the face. That's why that first one should be saved. Now, what I don't agree with is it's, like it's replacing replacing actors with younger actors because you want it to match your your prequels. I have a problem with all of it. Like uh, uh, replacing the the hard work. The reason I love this thing in the in the first place is because let's let's go in a little bit here and talk. I don't think we've ever talked about what a director does and and how that works in a set. When a director comes on board, it's not their job. To do everything. It is their job to tell the person that is building this set, that is shooting this, that's lighting this, that's doing the sound for this. What they want. Exactly. Because if you didn't have that, you would have all these people in these roles. And nobody would know what to do. Just be doing all kinds of different shit, and the end product would probably be a tonal disaster. This is why we talk about tone being important. That is the director's job. From start to finish, this is my story I'm telling this is how it's going to be told. This is a vision. You need these things. 
And it's very important for a director to be able to hire the best people he can that will suit his vision. Yeah. George Lucas could have gotten somebody to not do that good of a sound job, but he hired Ben Burt. And Ben Burt did a fucking fantastic job on the sound here. They haven't gone in and, and re- they have actually gone in and replaced a couple of his sound effects. But the the idea of like somebody later going in and replacing what the lightsaber sound sounds like to me, I just I just can't I can't deal with that. And I think <laughs> I don't think fans could deal with that. But they can deal with it when it's like special effects. Well, let's just make the special effects better, and then the movie will look more modern, and then I can watch it. I mean, I have a problem with that. I really, I really, it drives me crazy because they're replacing like some of those matte painters. I mean, think about like that, that's a painting. That's, I, I agree. Somebody I, made that. That's a piece I, of art. I one hundred percent agree. The original movie should be preserved. It's a work. It should be preserved like a work of art. The government should be involved. It should be in a vault. It is. Star um, Wars is yeah. In the soundtrack, these have been preserved for all time. Okay, it should be. But as the creator, if Lucas wants to digitally remove matte lines or. I don't agree with the things he's done. I don't have a problem with removing matte lines, um, but replacing the models. What I'm saying, I, I don't agree with some of the things he's done. Some of the effects that he's done, the digital effects that he's done, I, I'm not a fan of. I'm defending his right to do it. No, he's got a right to do it. I just feel so bad for all those other people. Like, can you imagine being like 80s, you're 80 years old and you look, you're like, oh, okay, kids, Star Wars is on. Look, I, I worked on this show. Oh, some CGI crap, and you're just like, fuck me. Uh, trust me, when, when at the end of Return of the Jedi, when Darth Vader yelled, no, before he threw the Emperor down the pit, I almost had to buy a new TV after that. I literally threw a Stephen King novel at my television. It's a shame it happens, and I feel really bad for these people, because they did so much work. For like, the, guy, the poor guy that played Darth Vader. The old guy that... David Prowse, yeah. They didn't even tell him his voice was going to get replaced. Or at the end, when the dude gets replaced as a... Oh, Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen. Like, the the old guy's all dressed up as a Jedi, and he's in there with Obi-Wan. Oh, that wasn't David Prowse. That was actually a different actor. Oh, uh, yeah, the guy that played old Anakin. Yeah, I, I don't know that actor's name off the top of my head. But, yeah, he's now he's digitally removed from the movie. It's Hayden Christensen. We're on the cantina scene. Let's talk about... <laughs> Fucking Han Solo, please, because that, that's just a ray of sunshine. As a kid, not my favorite character. As an adult, Really, man? I loved character. Han Solo as a kid. Oh, really? No, when I was a kid, I was all about... It was all about Luke Skywalker and freaking Chewbacca. Like, those... those when I was I a see, kid, I could care it. less about Chewbacca. I, I didn't... What the fuck is wrong with you? Chewbacca is the coolest motherfucker in the world. I, no, when I was a kid, it was all about Luke and Han Solo. Well, nobody ever worries about upsetting uh, Luke Skywalker or Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, it's not wise to upset a Wookiee. But sir, nobody worries about upsetting a droid. That's because a droid don't pull people's arms out of their sockets when they lose. Wookiees are known to do that. I see your point, sir. I suggest a new strategy, R2. Let the Wookiee win. Oh man, yeah, Han Solo was awesome. He comes in at the perfect moment and gives this movie a shot of freaking charisma. Yeah, the minute he's introduced, I'm like, oh, that's when I get my get my bucket of popcorn out. I pull it all up and I just start shoveling the popcorn in. I get my soda and I'm taking soda drinks and I'm just like, God damn, this movie is so fucking good. God 
God, this movie is so entertaining. Fuck me. Well, it's just it's just such an interesting character. You meet this guy that's sort of a smart ass. That such a dick. Um, he's already on the run because he owes this, he owes something called a Jabba money. A Jabba the Hoot. And Kenobi makes an arrangement. They're gonna fly out on this thing called a Millennium Falcon. So who shot first? Han shot first. Not in the cut I watched. Let me tell you what. His head, it got all gumby. He didn't have any bones in his neck. I don't know if you knew that about Han Solo. But he didn't have any bones in his neck, and he could just, like, bend his neck. I'll be honest with you. I don't have a problem with that at all. I don't really give a shit. I don't, give, I don't fucking care who shot first. There's a great, um, on that Mr. Plinkett, they go back to the Lucas messing with the originals. It's, it says, like, Han shot first. And it shows Han Solo come into the room in the dining hall in Empire Strikes Back. And he pulls his gun out and he shoots at Vader. And Vader holds his hand up, blocks the shot, and then it freeze frames Vader. And adds in Vader's voice going, Wait, you shot first. The lord of our universe says you cannot shoot first. People got really bent up out of shape over that. They were like, that destroys who Han Solo is. And I'm like, what? No, it doesn't. Fuck you. Oh my god. Whether he shoots this guy first or not destroys who he is, he's still a self-centered douchebag. Well, I think their point is that if he shoots second, it's shooting in self-defense. If he shoots first, then he's willing to shoot the guy without the guy taking a shot at him. But it doesn't destroy his character. He has plenty of moments where he's a cheapskate or like he's just a snake in the grass. It takes him to a lower level than... Uh, but you know that's I that's Han's know. story. He's a scoundrel that he's the redemptive scoundrel. Yeah, whoever shoots first, that doesn't take anything away from the character for me. I could give two shits less. That whatever. M- moving on, moving on. Who and then, see, this is a change that I actually had a problem with. So like, you have a problem with that? Yeah. Because why do you have I, a problem with that? Because I agree. I think that's a character beat that he changed that did not need to be changed. Han shot first. But yeah, but he's still showing you like what a dick he still is throughout the entire. Yeah, but like I said, it start instead of starting at a on a level of scoundrel to good ten being a good guy, scoundrel lowest level being zero. Instead of starting at like a one, he starts at like a three because he waited until the other guy shot. But see, I don't understand that because the guy's a bad guy anyway. He's a bounty hunter. He's it's not like he's a good guy. It's not like he he's a police might, officer coming in and saying, hey, Han, I'm yeah, going to arrest you. but he still you. might have a family at home that Han's... Who gives a shit? He's a bounty hunter. I'm just saying He works for a mobster. Matter. I mean, like, no, there's a, there's occupational a, hazard. We covered this, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a mental thing there that if Han just shoots him first, then Han is the... But he's, he's a bad a, guy. Who he's cares? worse of a guy. Ah, no, it totally does not bother me at all. I that... that you guys are you guys are totally nitpicking on this. If, so, if, so I, I'm worried about the character moments being changed, and you're worried about the map paintings being changed. Well, no, well see, I don't. Removed. Well, I don't think that's a character moment that's being changed. It doesn't change who his character is. I don't think it. Like all those other elements, I feel like are still in place. We still have to. We, we're running out of time here. We still have to talk about two things. Well, that's what we're going. I mean, like once you leave most Eisley. There's really nothing to talk about until you get to the Death Star. I'm, well, we already talked about Alderaan blowing up. No, we didn't. <laughs> well, it gets blown up, you know. The planet, oh, yeah, the planet gets blown up. It gets up. blown it up. It bothers Obi-Wan because he feels it in the Force. That was kind of cool. I did, li- I did like that. Where he's, He says he can feel everybody. What did you think? That's cool. All right, we're on the Death Star. They've saved the princess. They've gone through the trash compactor. 
everybody's coming back toward the Millennium Falcon. Holy shit, brother. You wait. Hold on. I, I'm asking you a specific question. You can backtrack if you want to. All right. We'll backtrack later. All right. Fair enough. The first time you saw Darth Vader square off against Obi-Wan Kenobi, they have the dialogue, let you know they fought before, and then there's that weird moment where Kenobi holds his lightsaber up, Vader chops him, and he vanishes. Because what I thought, honestly, as a kid, that if a lightsaber hits you, you disintegrate. <laughs> well, no. The uh, the dude's arm got, gets cut off in the cantina. I know. And it's got blood. But I couldn't... The only thing I could figure is that he got hit up here. Oh, my gosh. Dude, you didn't put this... Okay, so no, when I was a kid... No, as a kid. kid no. no, I just thought the Jedis were like... Because they're so in touch with the Force. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't That they would just, the Force would take them away. It wasn't until later that I noticed that Vader is, like, looking down at his clothes going, wait a minute. And then I was like, oh, okay. Obi-Wan has learned something that Vader doesn't know. Okay, I get it now. Oh, see, I never took that until the third, until episode three came out. I always, I've always read that until episode three came out. When he goes in there, it's just like, hey, I'm just making sure... That you're not in that pile of clothes, motherfucker. <laughs> because if you are, oh, I'm going to be mad. I, I just always took you know, it like re- he's just going to check. I remember you know, later viewings of the movie. I remember suddenly having this realization of, oh, because I mean, it was like you know, I'm older. I'm watching the movie and I'm understanding more about it. It was when Vader walked over and started checking the clothes that I just suddenly clicked in my head that, oh... He's learned something. I always wanted to know, what what happened to Obi-Wan's lightsaber? I guess Vader took it. Yeah, right? Vader takes it, and then it's gone for the whole series. You know where I think Obi-Wan's lightsaber is, honestly? I think if you ever... And this is also going to set up one of my favorite all-time internet skits, and I cannot find it anywhere. I will pay good money if somebody can find this for me. I think... Oh, wow. Challenge. Obi-Wan's lightsaber is in Darth Vader's quarters on a little trophy rack. Right next to the other uh, 999 he has up. He's like, yeah, I slaughtered all those Jedis. That was back in the day. But there is a a skit, and it was was online. I saw it online. Like, it was real early, like, online video, too, because I remember having to wait for it to load. And it's a day in the life of of Darth Vader. And it, it goes from the moment... Darth Vader in Empire Strikes Back gives the command, I want that ship, and I want it now. And he turns around and he walks off. And he goes into his office, and he sets down. He's got all this paperwork he's got to get done, because it's audit time, and they're behind, and he's getting these phone calls, and he's got to go to the bathroom, and the Emperor's calling, and it's just, it's the day in the life of the leader of this Star Destroyer. Oh, dude, there's so many great fan films. I like Troopers a lot. Uh, that's good. It's like a cops yeah. with Stormtroopers. Um, Chad Vader, where Darth Vader is a uh, like the day shift manager of a grocery store. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a bunch of good ones, man. But uh, what was so cool about it is like the sets look like it would be on the the Star Destroyer. And at one point, he's walking, he's like getting close to like quitting time, and he walks by and he kicks the little robot that's rolling around the hallway. <laughs> Oh, dude, I love those little the little toaster robots. Yeah. Dude, I love those. Oh 
Have we have we talked about how awesome Darth Vader's costume is? Have we talked about how fucking awesome he looks? That is probably one of the best costume designs I can. Is he the best bad guy too? Can, yeah. can we just say that Darth Vader's the best villain ever? He was voted best best villain ever. AMC did a awesome one hundred best villains ever, and he came in number one. Well, as well he should. I mean, like, dude, you say evil, like I don't know. I just think of Darth Vader when you say evil. Well, see now you think black of, mask. And... You think of misunderstood and because you know he was anakin and he just want, he had a bad dream and he did have a bad dream he wanted padme Madame made okay so this movie all started because he had a nightmare right god damn it see this is that's one thing i fucking all right okay okay happy place so i really like when they when they go into the cell block I like that one too. I love I love Harrison Ford. Like when he first get in there, they they shoot up at the whole room, and then he uh, gets on with the little intercom. Uh, uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, I had a slight weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? We're sending a squad up. Uh, uh, negative, negative. We have a, a reactor leak here uh, now. Give us a few minutes to lock it down. Uh, large leak, very dangerous. Who is this? What's your operating number? Uh, boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're going to have company! You know, speaking... Uh, everything's fine here. Yeah, everything's fine here. Um, speaking of uh, digitally fixing stuff, I am so glad that Lucas has not ever... And they've actually added a sound effect to it. Like, they left the sound effect out to hope people didn't see it, but now they everybody knows about it. The shot where all the stormtroopers are running and the one guy runs right into the door. Oh, yeah. They've actually now added the sound of... Dunk. <laughs> um, I love the moment where Harrison Ford... He's running, he's like, ah, and he stops, and you see the look on his face, and then he cuts back, and he's like, go, go, and you see the massive army of stormtroopers coming. Well, yeah, well, they, they changed that. that was yeah, just they, like they a couple, added more, yeah. Yeah, it was just like a little division, and now it's like a division in a whole anger bait. Yeah, because Lucas anger said bait. that he originally imagined like hundreds, and they just couldn't do hundreds. Yeah, well, they didn't have the, you know, the stormtrooper outfits cost money, man, you know? I mean, they, they dude, they made most of their, this is what's insane, like, most of their spaceships, they're making this from, like, random model parts and, like, shit they're finding just wherever to build these ships. And it's like, man, that's kind of crazy that the Millennium Falcon was just pieced together yeah. from random bits and Something pieces. Something you, you, you wanted me to remind you to bring up, we're talking about spaceships, this is the first time we had camera movement on spaceships because oh, yeah. of, this is the first movie with, and go. Uh, it's the first movie with a motion-controlled camera rig, man. I, well, th- the first movie that had one that was built for this purpose. They had one for 2001, but from what I understand, that thing was a monstrosity because that was like in, what was that, 68, 67? So, yeah. And for those of you who don't know, a motion-controlled camera rig is a camera rig that's on a computerized system that allows the camera to move at the exact same motion more than one time. Okay, so composites were done in camera then. Right. So you would record an image on a blue screen, and then you would rewind the film, and you would record whatever the plate is or whatever what was going to go in the, the blue or the green. You would record that background image. Well, if you're doing a static shot, the camera's not moving, no problem. No big deal. It's easy. Yeah, it's super easy. In fact, back in the day, they would just put a piece of glass in front of the camera and paint on it. 
like Gone with the Wind, those big wide shots. Yeah, that's Red. so we have Rhett Butler and Scarlett O'Hare. They're kissing in front of these doors. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. All that stuff around them, that's just something somebody painted on a piece of glass they put in front of the camera lens. That's how you did things. That's how matte shots worked back in the day. This was the first time we were able to use camera motion and movement. And we were able to repeat them because, again, you're ex- exposing these film elements. If you don't have that camera move repeating perfectly at the same time, they look out of whack. You lose perspective. Things don't move right. Things don't land in the same place. Exactly. It sounds like a, it's really small, but it's such a huge deal. It's a huge it's something that we, step forward in the film industry. Yeah, it's something that we use today in the in the film business. Even with CGI, you got to have a motion control camera rig. Yeah, they leave the Death Star, and we get that we get the cool like you know little battleship plane scene where the Tie Fighters are coming down on the Millennium Falcon, and then after that, you know, you get a nice little quiet moment on our way to Yabin Four, right. And on our way there, Luke Skywalker just happens to check in on good old Han Solo. Right after Carrie Fisher leaves. And, uh, you know, Luke's kind of like, hey, what do you, what do you think of the princess there? And he's like, I don't know. She's driving me kind of crazy. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's good. So I love this performance because he immediately just, he did all this heroic stuff. And he was looking really good while doing it. And then he goes back to this little boy moment where he was back on the farm where he's like, oh, he's insecure. I like her. Can I get the girl? And then Han Solo totally plays against it. And he's like, I don't know. She could like a scoundrel. I did like the idea that he's a smuggler and that's how they got into the Death Star. I really, really liked that. Like, Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, that totally threw me for a loop. Like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's so awesome. You watch it as an adult and you're like, oh yeah, well, no doubt. That's what he does for a yeah, living. You know, but man, as a kid, that's like mind blown. What about these awesome Death Star plans? That we finally get to see on the computer monitor. The hologram and, screen. Yeah, dude. Look, I don't understand George Lucas. George is like, look, I'm going to update all this crap. Why are the minority report screens and crap? Like, he's going to update everything, and then he's going to be like, well, you know. Leave <sighs> the red projection. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll leave the triangles in and the, the little dots that go across. a lot of people worked really hard on that shit. <laughs> that, that's all hand-drawn, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that is hand-drawn. That's not actual CGI. The computers couldn't even do it. They're just On like, the Death Star that. scene, the, the flying through the Death Star is beyond visually stunning. Red leader and blue leader actually go in and... Where we finally get to see Biggs. Yeah. Who was mentioned, but we don't, we don't ever get to see. I do like how like Luke just gets in that meeting. They're like, yeah, this target, it's like, was it like two meters long? And all the guys are like, oh, shit, that sucks, man. Two meters, that's really small, man. I don't know if we're going to be able to hit that target. Looks like, I shot womp rats, bro. <laughs> all right? And they're not much bigger than two meters. We got this. I like how that the guy is telling it to you. He just looks over at me. He's like, dude, shut the fuck <laughs> up, you dick. You're just as arrogant as your fucking father. You just got here, dick. Who the fuck are you? What'd you say your last name was, kid? <laughs> Oh my god, that is true. Like everybody in the universe should probably know that. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that is a huge plot hole. Like as soon as Luke got to the got to the rebellion, he went. My name's Luke Skywalker. He should have been like in jail. <laughs> what the hell, <laughs> Obi Wan? Please explain. <laughs> Obi Wan never told you what happened to your father. He <laughs> but was a mass we murderer. Will. <laughs> Only he just send didn't... a message to the Emperor that we have Vader's son. <laughs> You're fucked now, buddy. Go ahead, blow up Yabin 4. You'll kill your own kid, you bastard. 
Luke's like, I don't understand what's happening. Oh my gosh. Ah, oh, this is going off the rails quick. Well, you know there was people in Yavin just going, who was the guy that's who was the guy that saved the princess? It was Luke Skywalker. Fucking Luke Skywalker. God damn it, Skywalker. That name sounds familiar. I do like I do like this Death Star run though, man. This is this is a good this is a really good scene in the movie. Vader gets in a gets in his little tie fighter thingy and Oh, goes after him. Oh, dude, that is great, and I love the fact that he gets a different Tie Fighter. Oh yeah, well he's got his own. Yeah, with the little like the weird like uh, C shape, but they're it's like angular wings. Now, see, I totally thought they did the prequels that that was going to be his ship that we would get to see him flying that ship, but apparently not. Because he says it's like, yeah, get my ship ready. Like that is his That's ship. His. That's not a special class of ship. That ship is, was is. made, yeah, for Darth Vader. We don't see it anywhere else in the entire universe. That's his. It's <laughs> his. Dude, That the, the trench you, scenes are incredible. You, when you're flying a ship, you turn knobs and you pull things. <laughs> oh, yeah. It made sense. Like, the little computer animation he's got in front of him that, like, it lines it up. And then it's got those little, like, triangles that are pointing in to let him know that. It's in your crosshairs because it's got the futuristic crosshairs. And everybody's failed. Everybody's shot, to, and they've missed the little two meter hole. Luke's going in. Biggs dies, man. Computers, computers locked in, and then you hear out of nowhere, "Use the force, Luke." Oh, you know what? We also get Wedge here too, man. Yeah, this is not the end of Wedge. And somebody else comes back, saves the day, sends Darth Vader flying off into space. Good old Han Solo. He wasn't just a dick after all he's got a heart you know although my dad pointed out han solo hadn't shown back up movie would be like over empire one well luke still may have got the shot off but mm. vader would have died too <laughs> why 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 would vader die too my dad pointed this out because he han's the one that shoots that vader spins vader off into space yeah which is allows vader to escape the explosion on the death star but they all escaped the explosion on the Death Star. Not those two other ones that are right there. That's because they get shot. They get blown up out of the way. But like they all like they shoot it like it's apparently it's like a really long tunnel that it's got to get to the middle of this Death Star because like they shoot it and they're like they're like already past Yavin 4's moon and they're like what's up? I wonder if any of them ever even thought about like going after Darth Vader's ship because it's it's floating right there by them. Yeah, you know it wasn't a priority at the time. What a fucking mistake. <laughs> no shit. What a fucking... All Hansel had to do is just like, oh, hold up, hold up, Luke. While you're blowing this up and I'm doing nothing at all but I'm watching gonna you... I'm going to chase down the really bad guy that's out of control at this moment. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, dude. Star Wars. We got to go to one of the greatest endings of all time. One of the best wrap-ups. It's real quick. I mean, the throne room scene when they're getting their medals. I really like that. I love the music oh, yeah. here. The I, wedding I just, march. That, that is the music yeah. that was played as the wedding march music at my wedding. Really? Yeah. God, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a nerd favorite, man. Yeah, I didn't get married to that. I probably should have, though. As soon as they said... Uh, You're a better man than me. Please introducing Mr. and Mrs. Jeremy Benson. And then when you, when you walk through the doors, instead of going, bam, dun, it just went, dun, 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 dun. nice, dude. I like that. 
I like, you know what? And then the reception was literally like right then in the same room, so we just let the soundtrack play. <laughs> well, dude, I guess we should uh, we should probably wrap it up. Uh, well, next episode, Star Wars, we go dark. Episode five, because the Empire strikes back. Strikes back. Vader is not happy. They blew up his planet. So yeah, Benson, what do you? What did you think of Star Wars, man? I thought it was mediocre. I mean, there's things that could be changed. and Just one of the greatest movies ever made. Just seriously, will, I, get look, the fuck out of here. One of the greatest movies ever I made. I will say, and I challenge anybody to, to argue this, name another movie that changed culture like that one did. Yeah, I can just get nerdy and look at it from a film perspective, what could change, but, you know, man, like, I don't think anything had the impact that this did. This is... I mean, from marketing to merchandise to... And it's just lived on. Uh, it is It is a... George Lucas's Galaxy Far, Far Away became a universe right here on Earth that there's books, comic books, movies, TV shows, video games... T-shirts, toys, and we're, we're not taking away from like other these other Cups. franchises that we've we've talked about either. Like, I mean, like you, we talked, we brought up Lord of the Rings in this podcast, and we we just got done talking about Bond for a whole month. Yeah, these these were big movies, but even the Lord of the Rings movies did not change cinema the way, and did not change the world the way Star Wars did. No, it, I mean it changed fantasy cinema. Yeah, forever, but. but I mean, Star, Star Wars, Wars went was, outside of sci-fi, I mean, went out of that, fantasy. That that became like there's action figures that coincide with the movie. Oh my god, we didn't even talk about the fucking action figures. That's this, what I'm saying. It was like there's just so much. We got to talk that, about toys next week. That comes along with what became the Star Wars universe. So what started is that was going to be this little fun movie exploded into a full, uncontrollable universe. Absolutely. And made George Lucas a shitload of money. And has cost me a shitload of money. I've been collecting Star Wars toys and action figures and posters since I was a kid. These movies mean so much to me. The prequels, I'm not going to lie, the, the, the prequels did tarnish my love for no, this they, series. They did not affect my my love for the original trilogy. No, I'm not saying they... They tarnished my love for these films, but they just they tarnished my Star Wars excitement and my Star Wars obsession a little bit. You know what I mean? Where it wasn't it wasn't oddly, as constant as it was. Oddly, stating earlier that you don't you don't dislike them as much as I probably dislike them, and I'm not saying that I just completely hate them. I at moments I despise things that happen in them, and we're not going to get into all that. But they did spawn. A deeper interest into the universe for me, because I ended up like re- that was the f- I'd never read any of the books, but when Episode Three came out, that was when I finally like read one of the books, and because I mean I was like, okay, is the the story seems a- almost okay? Is is it just like execution? And then like I read the book, and the book makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I'm really glad. I'm really glad Episode Seven's coming out. I'm, I hope this has really reinvigorated my love for the Star Wars franchise. It's got me excited about Star Wars again in a way that I haven't been excited about in a decade. Optimistically excited yeah. about Star Wars. Um I feel like JJ's got a good a good grasp on mixing the myth with the excitement and spectacle. So I think we're gonna get something kind of special. 
Now, uh, speaking of special, we're going to do the that podcast a little different, right? We are. We we're are. Gonna, we're going to that podcast will be split in half. We're going to we're going to start the podcast before we go see the movie. Yep. And we're going to record some stuff while we're waiting in line for the movie. Hopefully, hopefully. And then we will record the right after we see the movie. So you're going to get fresh, unbiased thoughts about what this movie's like. You're going to get unfiltered. So if this movie is terrible, you may get this moment of, okay, we're back. We just saw the... And then there'll be silence, and you'll just hear Brian yell, Fuck J.J. Abrams! <laughs> okay, homework for you guys that are listening. Go find the Star Wars holiday special. It's touching... You get to see, and you get to see Chewbacca's family, guys. Man. He's he's lying. It's it's just about as it's not touching. It's, it is not. It's terrible. It's terrible. It is, it is so, so bad. bad. But you know what? It's kind of endearing too. Like it's not so bad where you're just like, God damn, this is a piece of shit. It's kind of like, oh, this is so bad. What's so weird like, about it is like the it's first kind of cute like, and fun. Like thirty minutes is in Wookie. Oh really? I don't remember that. Yeah. I gotta rewatch it. It's been a while since I've seen it's, it. It's literally this long time where every there's no English. It's all in Wookie. Eventually, like it? they call Luke, and Luke's like, "No, I haven't seen them." And then their their buddy comes, and he's gonna help sneak them in. It is the season. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, so we will be back with Empire Strikes Back. Then we will do Return of the Jedi. We'll wrap up with going into Episode Seven. The Force Awakens. So you've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Like always, if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew at gmail.com. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E, extra E at the end. Uh, and you guys can leave us uh, recommendations for what you want us to cover, or if we make mistakes or anything and you need to throw something at us, let us know. Throw us an email. If you guys could please... Rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. That helps people find the show. We would appreciate that. And like always, guys, we're going to close out our show tonight with some of this majestic score from composer John Williams, The Throne Room, entitled...